hi. My name is Stacy Sean. I teach over in the School of Theology and Ministry, and I am so excited to be here with you guys today. And I thought that I would start today with a small confession. When I was a kid, growing up, I thought that prayer in church was the worst. Okay, hear me out. I love church. Church was great. Friends, food, Jesus, great stuff. We were super involved in church. I even have a picture for you of seven-year-old me as a sheep in the Christmas pageant. But what I need you to imagine is seven-year-old Stacy every Sunday sitting between mom and dad in big church before being dismissed to kids' church and having to endure the pastoral prayer. All right, I would sit there close my eyes, fold my hands, and just try so hard not to peek. And this was the prayer that never would end. The pastor would pray for everyone and their mom, literally a list of names that went on and on and on forever. And this was the prayer that I never thought would end, and I could never make it. I could never sit through this entire prayer without opening my eyes. And if I'm being honest, Sometimes, even as an adult who's a pastor who loves Jesus, there are times I find myself in prayers that I feel like will never end. But I contrast those experiences to other amazing, life-giving, wonderful opportunities I've had in prayer. One time I remember when I was a youth pastor, I had a team of high school students in Guatemala on a mission trip and we were serving and having this amazing time together. But one night as we did our debrief, shared about the day, what God had been up to, what he was doing, and we were just sharing and worshiping and praying together, it was unreal. The spirit was with us in such a tangible way. It was so meaningful and life-giving. And one of those who was with us, a a local Guatemalan who was traveling with us that week, he came around and prayed over every single one of us by name. And even though we didn't know everything he said because some of it was in Spanish, it didn't even matter because the spirit was so real. We were united as brothers and sisters in Christ. And in that moment, I never wanted that prayer to end. And I don't know what your experience with prayer has been, whether it's been a lot of prayers you think will never end or prayers you would be okay if they went on and on forever. But I know in a room this size, we have a lot of different opinions and experiences when it comes to prayer. And some of you are like, great, we're talking about prayer today. That's awesome. And for some of you, when we start talking about prayer, maybe you start feeling a little bit guilty. Maybe you feel guilty because you don't pray. And I think it's important we ask why. What are some things that keep us from praying at times? And I think one reason we might not pray is we feel like we don't know how. We don't know what to say or what to do, and so we simply avoid it. We try not to pray, and maybe not praying when we talk about prayer then makes you feel a little bit guilty. For others, you have some standard prayers you've learned to pray throughout your life, but if you're being really honest, they've become a little bit stale, boring, dull. And so you just tend to not pray as much anymore. And so when we start talking about prayer, maybe again it makes you feel a little bit guilty. You like to avoid this topic. And you're in this cycle that keeps you from actually enjoying prayer. And then others of us are in different places. Maybe some of you are interested in this idea of prayer, but sometimes prayer seems forced or inauthentic. Or maybe you've heard really theatrical prayers that seem like they're for the benefit of the audience more than for God. And that has turned you off to prayer and you really struggle with this idea and maybe you've said, I don't know if prayer is for me. And maybe even others of you, you are just so busy 
I know. You are busy, busy, busy. Your schedules are go, go, go all the time. And so it's hard because maybe you feel like prayer doesn't do much for you. And so it kind of gets put to the bottom of your to-do list because you have papers and projects and work and all of these other things you need to do. And so prayer just ends up at the bottom of the list. And at the end of the day, you find yourself saying, you know what, God, I'm doing my best down here. I'm trying to do uh, good things, be a good person, live for you. And so I hope that that is just enough. So no matter where we are when it comes to the topic of prayer, I think we do know something as a whole, and that is that prayer is an important part of the Christian life, right? The Bible tells us to pray, even to pray without ceasing. And if the prayer is an important part of the Christian life, then God didn't mean for prayer to be boring or stale or meaningless or inaccessible. But yet sometimes that's how prayer feels to us. But if prayer is meant to be meaningful and accessible to us, why doesn't it always feel that way? Right? God wouldn't ask us to do something that wasn't absolutely worth it for us to do. So I think we have to pause and stop and ask, what might we be missing about prayer? What are we missing about prayer? And so here we are in the series on the Sermon of the Mount, where we're looking at a collection of Jesus' teachings about how his followers are to live for him in his kingdom here on earth. And right in the heart, we get to Jesus' teaching on prayer. But this is a common thing in Jesus' day. Prayer is not out of the ordinary. In fact, even the Gentiles who aren't worshiping the God of Israel pray. But Jesus takes time to talk about this very normal thing, which signals to me that not everybody was getting it right. Not everybody knew what prayer was for or how to pray. And Jesus comes and he says, I'm going to set this record straight. I'm going to tell you all about what prayer should and should not be. And he starts by talking about something prayer should not be. And this is important for us even today. So we're going to jump into Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 5. And here's what Jesus says. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret, and your father who sees in secret will reward you. I think it's also beneficial to read our scripture this morning in the message version, a paraphrased translation of scripture. And here it says, And when you come before God, don't turn that into a theatrical production either. All these people making a regular show out of their prayers, hoping for stardom. Do you think God sits in a box seat? Here's what I want you to do. Find a quiet, secluded place so you won't be tempted to role play before God. Just be there as simply and honestly as you can manage. The focus will shift from you to God, and you will begin to sense his grace. So the first thing is Jesus calls out the hypocrites, who we understand to be the scribes and the Pharisees, the religious elite of this day. And here's the deal. He calls them out because their motivation is wrong. Prayer is a good thing. Prayer is a right thing but even right things can be done with wrong motives. You know this. Right things can be done with wrong motives. Maybe a friend has given you a gift or a significant other has taken you out on a fancy date night. But it turns out that they did that because they were feeling guilty for something else that they had done. And all of a sudden, that sweet gesture isn't so sweet anymore. Right things can be done with wrong motives. 
And so if you have experienced prayer in a way that has seemed inauthentic to you, that has turned you off towards prayer, because it seemed like it was more for the benefit of the audience than actually talking to the God of the universe, Jesus is right here with you. Right? He's calling out the wrong motive in prayer as to be seen by others. He is saying, hey, don't pray to be seen by others so that they think you are religious, that you have this um, aura, aura about you. He calls this out and he says the motivation in prayer is not to be seen by others and have this religious reputation. In fact, if you pray for that reason, that motivation, you've got your reward, that quote-unquote religious reputation. But Jesus said there is actually a reward when you pray with right motive, there is a reward that he desires to give us, but we forfeit that reward when we pray solely to be seen by other people as righteous. And the fact that he calls this out is a, a spot for us to pause and remember to ask ourselves regularly, who is the audience of my prayer? Who is the real audience of my prayer? And Jesus says prayer is not about being seen by other people. And then we jump into verse 7, and he calls out a second thing prayer should not be about. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Or again in the message, the world is full of so-called prayer warriors who are prayer ignorant. They're full of formulas and programs and advice, peddling techniques for getting what you want from God. Don't fall for that nonsense. In Jesus' time, it was a common practice during Gentile prayers to bring these lengthy greetings and salutations to the God, to recite all these lengthy titles and accolades of the deity so that they would not offend the God and that they could get the attention of the God. And they would recite all of these sacrifices that they had made for that God. They would remind the God of all the things that they had done in service to them. It was like they're saying, hey, hey, remember me? Remember me over here. I've done all these things for you. Now I need you to do something for me. It was a very transactional type of prayer. And this transactional type of prayer is still alive and well, even amongst Christians today. Right? There are times that we're praying and we're not sure that God is tuning into us. We're not sure he's hearing us. We're not sure we have his attention. Are our prayers good enough? Are they right? Are they long enough? Are they eloquent enough? Do we really know what we're doing? But yet we need these things from God. So we come to him with our list and we say, God, I need this. I need this. I need this. And you know what? Again, I'm doing my best down here. I'm living a good life. Remember, I did that thing for you and I'll do more. If only you will do these things for me. I think many of us are guilty of this. I know I am at times. We treat God as if he is a vending machine. Like our prayers are the quarters that allow us to redeem our selection from God. Right? We ask God to do these things to help us pass the test. To not get pulled over by the cop. We just flew by for more important things. For a health concern, financial burden, praying for our parents' failing marriage. But when we reduce prayer to just a way to get things from God, we reduce God to a vending machine. And when we treat the almighty, incomprehensible God of the universe like a vending machine, it is no wonder our prayers seem stale. But here's what Jesus says. 
Do not be like them. For your father knows what you need before you ask him. Or again, this is your father you are dealing with and he knows better than you what you need. With a God like this loving you, you can pray very simply. This is such good news. Jesus says, don't be like the Gentiles, those people who think they have to get their God's attention in order to bargain with God to get what they need. Your God already knows. Before you even open your mouth, God already knows what you need. You don't have to try to get his attention, flag him down. You don't have to get God's attention because you already have his attention. Is that what you need to hear today? You don't have to get God's attention because you already have his attention. He is already so tuned into you. He loves you. He cares for you. And he already knows what you need before you even know that you need it. And yet he asks us and invites us to bring our requests before him because he loves us. Philippians 4, 6, Paul writes, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. We are encouraged to bring our requests before God, but he already knows them. Isn't that incredible? We are invited to bring our requests before God, but here's what this tells me. If God already knows what I need before I even know it, then while bringing my requests before him is a part of prayer, it's not the primary purpose of prayer. Jesus makes it so clear that the primary purpose of prayer is not to get the attention of other people. It's not even to get the attention of God. He's already paying attention to us. And the primary purpose of prayer is not even to bring our requests before God because he already knows them. And so we get to ask, what then is the primary purpose of prayer? And that is relationship. It's being with God. It's talking to God. It's listening for God. A God who loves you and cares about you and is at work in your life, who is providing for you. It is participating in a means of grace. And here's what that means. It means that when we pray, we receive grace from God that actually changes us. And that is the reward of prayer. Grace from God that changes us, that transforms us, that works in our life. See, prayer is not about what we can get from God, but about who we can be with God. It is about getting more of God into my life that I might be shaped and changed and transformed to be more like Christ. That is the gift that we receive in prayer, is grace that changes us. We can think about it in this image. Maybe if you've driven down the coast or a windy place, you have seen a tree, a tree that has been so impacted by the constant presence of the wind that it is bent. It is growing with the wind. It has been so changed, so impacted because of its encounter with the wind. That's kind of what takes place in our lives through prayer. That in the presence of God, that grace changes us, molds us, shapes us to go in the direction of God's will for our life. That cha changes us to be more like Jesus. You guys understand this, right? You know what it's like to be changed by the people you spend time with. You are changed by your friends. You become like the people you spend time with. You and your friends, you start saying the same phrases. 
You like the same movies. Your friends become passionate about things and that kind of rubs off on you and you become passionate about it too and you become like the people you spend time with. And it's the same with God. That as we are in this relationship with God, we become more like Christ, that we actually change, that things in us shift and change, that we desire God's will more than our own will. Right, we put him first before ourselves. We ask him to make us want what he wants for us. And that is the right motive in prayer. The right motive in prayer is to be with God and be changed by God. If prayer seems dull or boring or stale to you, I invite you to change your motive. Change your motive to be with and be changed by a God who is already paying attention to you, who already loves you as you already are, who is already caring for you, providing for you, comforting you, sustaining you in this very moment, who is already inviting you into this amazing life he has for you, who wants you to talk to him, who wants to speak to you, who wants to talk to you about how much he loves you, to call out your value and your worth and your status as his child. Prayer is about delighting in God as he also delights in us. That is this reward of prayer. And it's meant to be meaningful and fulfilling and accessible to every single one of us. And throughout our Christian lives, we will continue to learn more of what it means to connect with God through prayer. And I encourage you to continue to learn and grow when it comes to prayer and how you pray. I don't pray the same today as I did even a year ago, but throughout your life you will have different seasons where different prayers and different postures and different things connect best with you to help you engage in this relationship with God and I encourage you to pursue those things. But remember that Jesus has said prayer is not about getting the attention of others. It's not about getting the attention of God. He's already paying attention to you and he already knows your needs, but the primary purpose of prayer is to come before God to be changed by him and be in relationship with him. And so I wanted to do today is spend some time practicing this. See, Jesus says what prayer is not, but then he says this is a way that you can pray. He gives us a model of prayer that can be transformative in our lives. And so I want to take some time this morning and work our way through this prayer that we call the Lord's Prayer and learn to pray it on our own, in our own words, that we might talk with God. Because here's the deal, I get it, you guys are busy. You are busy people. And I hope that you will just take this time today to recognize you have space here to connect with a God who is already tuned in to you, who is already paying attention to you. And so this is what it's going to look like. I'm going to walk us through the Lord's Prayer, verse by verse, line by line, and tell you a little bit about what it means to pray that prayer today, and then give you 20 to 30 seconds of silence for you to talk to God on that topic, to create space to talk to a God who loves you and who is tuned in to you. And some of you might be a little hesitant. You say, but remember, I don't know how to pray. But Jesus gives us the words and he gives us the model. And so I'd encourage you to try. Others of you might say, but I don't feel like I'm getting anything out of prayer lately. And I'd say adjust your motive to just be with God. 
invite him into your life. So for some of you, this might mean just staying in your seats. Some of you may want to take on a posture of prayer to kneel at your seat or sit on the ground or open up your hands. And I will invite you to do whatever connects best with you and God. But if you're thinking about taking a posture because it might look good to people around you, don't. Just practice this prayer in your seats. But I encourage you to take this time to meaningfully connect with a God who loves you so, so much. So I'm gonna give you just a couple of seconds of silence to rest in, to prepare your heart, and then I'll lead you through this prayer. Jesus teaches, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, begin your conversation with God by acknowledging who he is. Give statements of praise and awe for who he is and what he has done and recognize that while God is in heaven, he is also with you. The Holy Spirit is among us even now. So take this time to recognize the awesomeness of a God who is both with us and preparing a place for us. kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God's rule and reign is absolute in heaven. His will is perfectly completed in heaven and his kingdom is breaking through on earth. Jesus has come, death has been defeated, and his kingdom is about restoring relationship, healing the sick, caring for the orphan and widow, giving voice to the voiceless, loving the marginalized. And in this portion of the prayer, we ask God to change us to want what he wants, to desire his will above our own, that we would be active participants in advancing his kingdom here.
give us today our daily bread. Bread represents the basic necessities of life, so here we are encouraged to bring our needs before God. We ask him to meet our basic needs to sustain us for today. forgive us our debts. We confess our sins to God and we ask for his forgiveness and for his transforming grace to be at work in our lives that we may be made more holy. have forgiven our debtors. Here we recognize that forgiven people forgive. We ask God to help us forgive those who have wronged us. not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. God doesn't tempt us. He doesn't lead us astray. But Jesus says we can pray that God would help us not give in to the temptation we experience, that God can strengthen us and help us to find the way out from those circumstances that he has promised. So identify what's tempting you and ask God for wisdom in dealing with it. is the kingdom, the power, the glory forever. God, would you receive our praise and hear our prayers? Amen. I want you to be encouraged that you can pray in your own words and you can find different ways to connect with a God who is already so in love with you and who wants to spend time with you that you are able through this method or so many others to seek his presence, to just be with God and be changed by him, that our prayers don't have to be to look good to others or to get God's attention, 
but to know that he already knows what we need before we even do, and we are invited into his presence. So I encourage you to begin to take time, claim moments to walk with God. Maybe this week you take this model and you use it each day to pray, longer or shorter for the different periods, whatever it is. Just invite God to be the one that you seek first. Seek relationship with him and seek for your life to be transformed by his grace.